We're doing this series about getting to know God, and um, it, it's a big lift, to be honest, right? Fair enough? Like, I got, that's a big lift for me to try to tell you what God is like, because God. And by definition, God would be sort of unknowable, because the minute you say, I know, I know everything there is to know about God, you're kind of fooling yourself, right? Because over and over again, the scripture talks about the mystery. Um, I started with the series, uh, I started with, um, you know, 1 Corinthians 13, where Paul says, now we know in, none of you read the Bible ever? Like, or hurt you? Do you go, anybody go to Sunday school? I mean, I didn't, so you're okay if you didn't, but I thought a lot of you did. <laughs> Why is the non-Sunday school kid criticizing the Sunday school kids? <laughs> For now, I know in part, I'll give you the answer, right? I know in part, Paul said, I, I only know part of the story. Now, this is a guy writing what we use as scripture. And he's saying, I only have part of the story. So the good question is, what part of the story do you have? What part do I have? But to say I have the whole thing is just probably, oh, really? Is it true? Is it coffee? Uh, oh, it's Shelly's coffee. Shelly's oh, I'm taking your coffee? No. You're embarrassed. Don't say anything. Shelly doesn't li like attention. Shelly does not like attention. Yeah. Well, don't. I must have got up in a weird mood or something. I don't know. So you can't know the whole story. And so, um, and that's frustrating for some of you. Because I, like, I, I know every, I have to have all the buttons and the drawers organized and I have to know where everything is. And I think there's a little bit of that in all of us. But some of you, it's just, no, no, I, I know everything. And I have the answer for everything. And if we're out with our friends and they start talking about God, I put my hand up. Forget, I don't put my hand up. I just tell them. So, but this is humbling. So humility is going to have to be a big part of it. Let's say the word humility together. One, two, three. Humility. It's going to have to be a part of it. It's going to have to be a part of our language. But more importantly, it's going to have to be a part of our reality. Humility is like, boy, I, I don't know. I, I'm learning this. I'm understanding this. Who's ever been humbled before in some area of your life? Okay, we're in good company. Whoever's, who's ever been humbled um, in athletics? Now, if your hand's not up, you're, you're lying because even if you went pro, and I know a few of you did, somebody, you always met someone who was one above you. And if you didn't, you eventually got old. Like, I hate to say it, Tom Brady's getting old. I hate to say it, he's getting old, right? Uh, but and, oh, life has a way of humbling us. But you get humbled uh, financially. You know, you know, we get humbled in all these different ways and we think, I have it here. So humility's gonna have to be a part. And I think the other thing that's going to need to be a part is mystery. And they go together, not knowing it all. Um, but this can be a really good thing. Back to Moses, the burning bush. Who can I say sent me? Basically, God, can I get your name, please? Can I know you? And the answer is... It's translated in English, I am that I am, which is incredibly vague. Probably the right Hebrew translation, you can ask someone who is Jewish, because I've heard this from them, is I will be who I will be. You ever remember someone, they say, well, to me, God is like this. And someone else will say, well, to me, God is like that. And what we want to do is 
pick the right one. Am I, am I making any sense? Uh, no, I want to pick the right. I need to know which one's right. But could they both be right? Is God big enough that they could both be right? You understand God this way or God shows himself to you this way? Why do you think, if you've ever read the Old Testament, there's all these different names for God. You know, God's your provider. God is, as I said in the one sermon a long time ago, the many-breasted one. Um, there's all these different names for God. That is, God does all these different things for different people at different times in their life. So I thought, before I go on and talk to you about um, what a great song, God with us. Can I just tell you, that's where it's going to end. I'll give you the end, in case you don't want to come to any more of the series. <laughs> God with us. In fact, I'll tell you the whole thing. God for us, God with us, and God in us. It's very scriptural. It's, it's very sound. But I think underrepresented or not fully understood with us, for us, in us. Let's say it together. God with us, God for us, God in us. But what I was realizing is I can't just drop the answer because I think people need to wrestle to get there. Anybody ever just try to give the answer to the math problem and the teacher goes, uh-uh-uh-uh, show your work? You know what I mean? I think we're going to have to show our work. Fair enough? So what I want to do, I, I was trying to find the right way to do it. I know last week I, I, I took aim at a few what I call mental idols. And I, I know I hit a couple of yours, and I didn't mean to. Um, and if they're working for you, I just know part. If they're working for you, uh, even, even my wife, we were at lunch after church, and she goes, ah, boy, the whole, you know, you and I, I'm not real comfortable with that. And I said, it's okay. It's okay. And I, so that tension I want to talk about a little bit. I was talking about the baby and the what? Bathwater, right? You can't throw out the... So for my illustration purposes, my analogy purposes, I'm talking about, you don't want to throw out God with the bathwater. The bathwater would be murky, religious uh, baggage. Murky being bathwater. Um, and some of you were worried about me after last week. I'm surprised you came back because some of you were like, he's an atheist. I think he's an atheist. I think our pastor, <laughs> you're online. You're on atheist.com looking for your pastor's card. I think he's an atheist. I'm not an atheist. Let's start there. Are you so proud of your pastor? He's not an atheist. All right. So proud of him. Um, and uh, and even uh, even Tim's boy Jude, I, I don't know if they had that little video they were going to put up, but we got a picture, a little video of Tim's son Jude, and he goes, don't throw out the baby. He's watching the service online, and as children do, they take it, what? Literally. And, and actually, it was a video replay. Uh, his mom had to get a second take because the first one was a good. He was nervous. I was going to throw. He goes, don't throw Charlie out of the bathtub. <laughs> Some of you are nervous. Don't be nervous. I'm not throwing everything out. I think what these atheists, as I said, have done is they've, they've, they've literally been, and, and I just applaud them, throw all the bathwater out. Just get it all out of there. So we can get back to what is, needs to be preserved. 
So I was trying to think of how to help us get there, and I, what I could think of was um, stages of faith. And so I just want to walk you through them. There was a guy that did all types of research. He has way more uh, time, funding, et cetera, than you or I do to see how our faith grows. So Paul goes, we know in part, but when we're children, we think like children. First Corinthians 13, we reason like children, but then we become what? Adults. And things change. Who here thinks differently than when you were a child? Sure. All the time, I'm wondering, what's going through Charlie's head? Anybody? Do you ever go, what's going through their little minds? Yesterday, we took her sledding. I took her on her first snowboard. She tore, she shredded, I'm telling you. <laughs> she did. First one. And, uh, and then um, afterwards, of course, all she wanted to do was to see the snowman. There was a snowman there. And she man, man. I don't go, what goes through her mind, right? And then we made a snowball. And the rest of the day, she kept saying, ball, ball. Children think one way, they mature, and then they become adults. So um, I was going to do a whiteboard, but we don't have one, so I'm going to have to use you. I'm just making this up. <laughs> Who's relatively fun, easygoing, can be volunteer A, A, A. Huh? Brent, did you raise your hand? Or no? No, you, or, do you, I'm not, I don't want to drag you anybody that doesn't want. Did you say yeah, or were you just... Swirl, no, not really. Okay, swirling your coffee. Yes, come on up here. Come on up, come on up. Come on. Clap, 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 clap. All right. <clears throat> you're not clapping for him. You're clapping. I didn't pick you. All right. Okay, so this will be stage one. All right. And uh, once you come down here, is this in the cameras? Is this good? The camera people always get mad at me for doing these things. All right. You are an infant. All right. And um, in a minute, yeah, you, you want to go down on your knees? That's, yeah, get down. Or just sit on the floor, just Indian style. Do you, do you, will your knees, okay, there we go. <laughs> now, this is important. This is important. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you what has been studied as the stages. Ready? The stages of faith. And this is, this is Charlie's age. This is toddler, toddler. And this is the sponge, I call the sponge stage. You know what I'm talking about? They just sit there and just soak it up. Now, whatever this, this toddler believes, they just believe from what? You. Whatever you tell them, and then that, that's it. That's it. They just, they're a sponge. This is the sponge stage. And their spirituality is completely defined by their parents. Um, at this age, also, they confuse fantasy and reality from time to time, which is why you have things like Teletubbies. <laughs> what? I'm like, watching it, what? Um, never mind. Okay, a couple of you got that. All right. <clears throat> Sponge. You got it? Then I need, I need person number two. Person number two, healthy volunteer. Wow, what a boring group of people. Karina, come on up here. Come on. All right. Clap it's not you. Clap it's not you. All right. School-aged, school-aged child. All right. Now, um, logic starts to enter. Good job. Um, and they, under, they understand stories in literal ways. Now, I, I didn't get a really good edu education. I really didn't. But um, many of you did. And, and don't, if you, if was anyone educated in education, 
okay, don't you study things like childhood development? Is it Erickson or, yeah, and, and you, okay, so this is growing up and this is how they learn. And you learn that if you're an educator because you want to know what's going on in their head. Where, you know, what can I expect to put on them? What could I not expect to put on them? Am I close or, okay. All right. Um, so in this, you understand things in very literal ways. So in heaven, there are streets of gold and you just start thinking, man, you know, if I just had like a bucket and I, maybe, you, right? You think of it very literally. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, now, number three, who, who's, uh, who's number three here? Carl. Yes, sir. You, mm, my man. You really need to clap for a hit, Carl. Okay, okay. Okay, here we go. So we're going to call this, all right, sponge stage, all right? We're going to call this literal, all right? And we're going to call this formal <laughs> institutional. You can't make this up. He raised his hand. I, I, I mean, I don't have the whiteboard, but this is pretty good. Formal institutional, your teen years. Now, this is research that's done. You can agree with this, not agree with it. This isn't the gospel. Are you with me? This is the introduction. You, you can't get too mad on me online because I'm just, this is just the introduction. I haven't started the sermon yet. I'm just telling you what's out there in the world, the way people look at things. Fair enough? And they study this and they go, this is kind of how it is. And so people enter a stage they call formal or institutional. And this is like the young teen years. Um, and you adopt an all-encompassing belief system and you put authority in leaders and communities. You just lock into the system. Boy Scout. Make sense? Good, good phase. Okay. The fourth phase... <clears throat> is where things get a little bit uh, tougher. Um, so who's tough or who's bizarre? Or Oh, you are you? Come here, Denise Manzi, come here. All right, Denise, clap for Denise. So, all right. <laughs> and uh, yeah, why don't you, am I here? Now this, this stage, um, this is where the young adult phase, all right? Now, let me say a couple things about the stages. They aren't clean, you know, they don't, you don't leave this on September 4th and enter this one on September 5th. You know, you're 20% this and 30% that and you bounce back and forth. Does that make sense? They aren't clean, but it does show a, a, a development. And that you get to a certain age, we'll call this young adult, and you start to go, man, I don't know. Let me put it in simple terms. Does anyone here have a teenager that talks back to them? Okay, you got what I'm saying. They start talking back, and the, the, the talk back gets louder. But people who study this in the faith realm, they go, they start to question all that stuff they were taught. Start to question all that stuff they were taught. Anybody been here? Anybody have a kid who's here? And um, this is difficult because conflict erupts here. And... Um, they start thinking outside the box, right? And they go to college and they realize there are completely, not only outside the box, they realize there are completely separate boxes. 
You go to school and you room with somebody that grew up on the other side of the globe. And they go, wow, they have a completely different box. And they're not evil. This starts to mess with your head. In fact, this is where this... Not only are they not evil, this person with a completely different box is nicer than the person that taught me about my box. You got problems here? You get disruption. Now, stay, hang in there. Don't. Here's the problem. Scooch down here just a little bit. Most church experiences, not all, they stop right here. We can't help you past here. Once you have a question, once you challenge the way it's been told, when, we're done. Now, watch this, watch this. I, I could ramble statistics, but I don't really need to ramble and ramble and ramble statistics, because all of us know what happens to students when they leave their home, the umbrella where they're taught faith or taught religion or taught whatever, and they go off to college and they're on their own. What happens? Do they run to college and go, I got to find a church? Man, I got to make sure there's a church somewhere near my... Now, I know a few people in our church, God's honest with you, they have these like miraculous kids. They're, we would call them outliers. True. They get to college campus and I got to make sure there's a church on Sunday I can get to. Bravo, and they're an outlier. I was an outlier in many ways in my life, you know. But what's normal... What's common, you can say it's horrible and corruptible if you want, if that's, but from here to here, there's a, then because the church doesn't help or give direction once you start questioning the system or the, you get what I'm saying? There's another phase. And this one, they stop, they, they start saying, I don't know if I believe in God. Do you know the, the fastest growing category or religion, if I could say it, in America today? The category is, they, it's a new category. They call it none. What are you? Catholic, Protestant? They, they won't say atheist yet. They just go, I'm none. What are they? They're right here. They, they don't, there's, no, there's nothing, what, what do I grab onto? Now, there's another one. I'll just do it myself, okay? But this one is, this is what, what the, the stage you call paradox. Or, another good word, mystery. In other words, the next stage, you go through this, you come back to faith, but you see it in a different way. I don't need to throw all that stuff away. I just need to see it in a, what? An adult way. And paradox is the, let's clap for our volunteers. Thank you. Yes, yes. There are gifts and prizes you'll be receiving on your way out. Paradox is important. Now, this has been studied, you know, uh, I wouldn't credit myself for, for any of this, but I just want to say a couple things about this. And I want you to have a visual um, because you might have, you might see yourself in one of these stages. You might see, a, you know, a son that went off to college and you're all worried about him and you're like, you, the other thing is, it could give us hope, ready? So many people come to me and, Chris, could you just talk to my 24-year-old son? Happy to, love to. I've done this over the years so many times. And I was a youth ministry. Could you talk to my teenager? They're just this. And reality is they're what? Growing up. 
This is normal. This has been studied over and over and over and over again. One of the first things I have to do to remind parents is, do you remember what it was like to be 17? They're baffled at how their kids behave. And then they, they go, oh, yeah. Huh? Talking with Vicky all the time. The boys, they don't want to hang around us. And I'm like, well, did you want to hang around your parents when you were 17? <laughs> and what do we say in our heads? But I'm way cooler than my mom. Right? <laughs> this is how we justify it. Like they should. Isn't this true? We forget. But they're just growing up. And it's okay. One, two, three. It's it's okay. It's okay to grow up. This is just life. Now, this gives us hope for people. And with this fast-growing category, if we could just help them know there are other stages. And by the way, some of the most amazing, beautiful human beings you will ever meet are down in this fifth stage of paradox. But we're just fighting with people in stage four instead of letting them grow into stage five. Dr. King, if you've ever really studied his life, right here. Deep man of faith, but understood it in completely different ways than many people do. Paradox, mystery. He didn't throw his faith away. Boy, if there was ever a guy that you'd think had some bathwater splashed on him by the church, you'd think, I'm done with that whole thing. No, 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 he just saw it deeper. Are you, are you getting what I'm saying at all? Or no? He just saw it deeper. So what we could do is we could give hope instead of just saying, because then this is what they start to consider at this level. You start to consider atheism. And you start to go, yeah, maybe the whole thing's just, because this question is an answer. And, this, and in the literal box world, there aren't good answers, truthfully. Truthfully, there aren't, just aren't good answers. So you give people something and they start to understand God in a much deeper way. Now, Paul recognized this. That's why he wrote 1 Corinthians 13. We know in part, we, we think like children, we reason like children, but one day we will know more, right? But not only did Paul write about it, Paul experienced it. Has anybody ever read Philippians chapter 3? Where Paul was... Button down, Boy Scout. He was the Boy Scout of all, huh? Paul had it all snapped in. Pharisee of Pharisees, right? I was, I was a, a Hebrew of Hebrews. I was top of my class. I checked all the Sunday school boxes on and on. He goes through his whole list. Have you read it? He goes, I had this box nailed until I met God. In other words, then I had a whole thing and it disrupted me and it turned me upside down and I had to come out the other side understanding it in a deeper way. Peter went through it. Remember Peter? Remember the, the struggling that he had? I mean, you would think, you would think if you've ever read the Gospels, you'd think, man, if there were guys that should get it, it would be the 12 that hung around Jesus the most. Is this Right? But Peter's got this, he gets all the way through it, and now we're into the book of Acts, and he still has a box that's the Jewish people, it's the Jewish people, it's the Jewish people. And God has to come to him in a vision in, in Acts chapter 10 with the sheets that are let down from heaven, you remember? And it's got all the animals that you're not supposed to eat, and there's a verse about it. 
There's a verse, and Peter knows the Bible verse from Leviticus. You can't eat those. You can't. He was told over and over again. His Boy Scout box. I love the Boy Scouts. We, we have a, tr a tribe here. Uh, so it's, 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 it's they, 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 get to a, they get to a level. They can get you to a level. And, and by the way, we need all that structure when we're young. If you think I'm anti-structure, you're completely missing what I'm saying. How many know we need structure? Charlie eats in a high chair. It's got straps and belts and... Does anybody know what I'm talking about? She's on lockdown. She needs massive structure. When we're young, we need a lot. That's good for us. It, it helps us. And as we get older, what? Guess what? I didn't eat with a bib this morning. Anybody else? I'm just trying to hand out bibless Christianity. That's all I'm trying to do here. You need a lot, and it's, once you get a few things figured out, it's okay. I mean, even the ancient St. Augustine said, love God and do whatever you like. That's old school. That's a guy I disagree with on a million things. But even he got that. Love God and do what you like. Once you mature, once you get to hear, should different things take over in your life? Peter wrestled with it. He couldn't, he couldn't get out of his box. It took all this turmoil in his life. Some people never leave stage three. Um, very few, but some people never leave there. Many people never leave stage four. And so we're raising a generation, and we should be able to do the math. We should be able to put the statistics of church dropout and people leaving with this study overlaid with the scriptural story and go, oh, we just have to tell them, ready? That's not the end of the line. You're going to find some bathwater about here. Um, I, I never knew, I don't know if this is where it initiates, I guess maybe it is, but I never knew about the word limbo. You may ever say, oh, I'm caught in limbo, I don't know where to go. But, but like the theological limbo, well, I'm so ignorant. Over the history of the church, they, uh, not, I'm not trying to pick on anyone, this one happens to be the Catholic church, but... It just, it, just, it just illustrates what we're talking about. You know, if a, if a baby wasn't baptized, they went to hell. <laughs> and, you know, some dude somewhere just raised his hand with a robe. Am I getting this accurately? Some dude with a robe somewhere in a room that was very expensive raised his hand and go, really? And he started to ask questions to the system. Like, the baby's born and then they just go to hell because they weren't baptized because dad's horse broke a leg trying to get him there to the town center. Is anybody with me? How many of this, this actually kind of just makes you angry right now. It's like in your spirit, just like this is disgust. People believe that for centuries. God forbid your horse got sick taking your infant to get baptized. 
got nothing for you. And, and the, I read about it. I read about it for a lot this week. I don't know why I got enthralled with limbo, but it was cold and categorical. It's like, that's not God's fault. Kind of the, I'm summarizing. Please, God, tell me no one in this room believes that anymore, all right? But be that as it may, people believed that for a long time. So finally, somebody in a room somewhere goes, ah, man, that seems a little... I mean, things happen. Maybe then the, it's the priest that has to hear the story about the horse that got sick, and then we were on our way. Honest to God, we were there, and you mean... Man, someone had compassion and said, I, can I look into it? Think about this transition. You, they put their stake in the ground on this. And then they had to come up with, and this is what they came up with. I, I didn't even know this. I'm limbo, outer hell. Somehow this brought comfort to people. Somehow your kid's in the, not in the core of hell. It's just, it's really hot, but it's not that hot. It's, read it. They're like on the fringes. And the, and the response was, well, we can't, they can't be in the presence of God because they weren't baptized. God forbid it was grace. Do you see where this thing goes? And the, all this bathwater has been, you know, if you think I'm in bad company, I, I hope I'm not. Look at Jesus, Matthew 23 right? Matthew 23, verse 4. He goes, woe to you Pharisees, you pastors. You guys up there telling them what to think and believe. I'm paraphrasing wildly now. But woe to you guys. You put all these heavy burdens on people and you're not willing to lift a finger to help them. Think of this one burden alone of the myriads of religious burdens that there are. This is Jesus teaching. Matthew 23, verse 4, if you want to play Bible bingo, I know a few. I know a few verses, brother. You want to play? You won't lift a finger to help them. Think about this one burden alone. This is after we knew that verse, after we put that verse into the scripture, and then still we had limbo. Would you say limbo's a little bit of a burden? Let me do one more. Your infant dies two days after they're born. You have the burden of unimaginable pain, unimaginable pain. And unfortunately, I know people in this room have even experienced of putting down a newborn and the layer on top is, mm. do you know why? There's the new surge in atheism. Sam Harris, Christopher Hitchens, Donna. That's, that's all they write about. They write about this stuff. We missed so much of Jesus. 
He was trying to take the bathwater. Go, no, no, no. In every place, look, just do grace. If you don't know, you don't understand the tradition, the scripture, the church, the stance, the what, just do grace. I don't know. Well, grace. Well, grace, grace. How did we get these things? Is baptism bad? No, it's not bad. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. Celebrate. It's the, the symbolism, the beauty. It's amazing. The movement is from heavy structure, heavy form to freedom. Biblessness. Huh? Who ate in a high chair this morning? You freed yourself. Nothing wrong with it? Look, it's never, it's never good to criticize at any person at any stage. It's not helpful. When you move past one, you will take a couple pot shots at them. You will, because you'd just be so frustrated that why did people say that and believe that and do You will, just like an older brother picks on the younger one. You're so stupid. Does that ever get said? Just how that works. But it's not, as you mature, you realize, I don't need to pick on a toddler for the way they think. I don't need to pick on a teenager for the way they think. I don't need to look down. It's just where they are at that stage in their particular life. The pro one of the big problems is when you shift from three to four, people will tell you, you've backslid. I can't tell you how many people tell me I'm backslidden. Or your friends tell you, oh, you got the pastor that's backslidden. But it's, it's because I don't see it that way anymore. And we have to be gracious with people and we've got to tell, give hope and help to people that are stuck right here and say, you can know God, but you're going to know the God of Jesus, which I'm going to talk about next week, I think. <laughs> and the God that Dale sang about. There is, Jesus saw it differently, but we missed a lot of it. We just created the form around him. And we, we gave it labels and all sorts of things. And then you had to add all these layers and codes. But Jesus talked about spirit. Spirit. God is spirit. I mean, how do you put spirit in a high chair? And Paul talked, and, 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 and so we'll talk about what I think it's God is and how you can know God. Letting go of some of these things is troubling, so I thought, I got to maybe explain the stages. They aren't clean. They aren't in the Bible or anything, although I think there are tons of examples in the Bible. You know, does that make sense? You're going to find the sponge stage in Genesis. Where do I find sponge stage? But you will find the sponge stage in Genesis, and you will find all these stages. They just won't be kind of labeled. Um, last thing. As... Um, as we do this, um, Dr. King helped um, unify a lot of people. At the same time, it divided people. Does that make sense? There comes a time in history where you're not working for division, but you have to make the next step. 
And this is key. You're not trying to be divisive. That's not your goal. But you have to put, you have to put something in to say, you know what? I got to let these kids be. I got to let them question. I got to let them do that. I don't need to criticize them. Here's what I would advocate for. Patience, not panic. And my kids questioning this and that. Just be patient. Just be patient. Don't panic. And I'll say one more thing that can be difficult. I worked with inner city students for quite a while. And you'll see this phenomenon. I, I, and, I, and I started, when I started speaking, I started in nursing homes and, and jails, prisons. When I was in high school. I would go and I, was, I cut my teeth, if you will, giving sermons in nursing homes and prisons. Cause, the prisons, because no one could leave. And the nursing homes, because no one could leave. So it's where they start you. <laughs> um, but in prisons, people have conversion experiences, and oftentimes they become very literalist, fundamentalist conversions, which is why militant Islam is one of the things that young African Americans with chaotic um, upbringings turn to. Just, just think. Just, I, I might, this is just the introduction, so don't get mad at the sermon. That's why they turn to you. So you're mad at them. Because why are you this young, militant, uh, fundamentalist Muslim? But to them, it represents a massive leap from a chaotic. But see, if you never grew up in the inner city, you don't, you don't get it. Does that make sense? If you grew up on Pollyanna Lane and mom held your hand to Sunday school and all that, you would never understand jumping into militant fundamentalism Islam. But it is a step forward in their mind. Does anybody get... So, so the, do you see how the grace needs to just go everywhere? With the stuff that you could understand the least, it just needs to flow. It just needs to be grace. Oh, oh there's probably something I don't understand. I didn't do a good job today. To, next week, I'm going to do a good job. Listen, listen. Grace. That's what the story's about. Which is why Paul wrote, we're saved by what? Grace. grace. That's it. All of us. Everything. It's all grace. And that's what we're here to celebrate. All right? We're celebrating grace. God's grace to us. Um, not about what we know. Not about what we've done. About God's goodness. About his grace.